Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and in this podcast, I'm sharing my Sunday sermons from St. John's Lutheran Church, Palm Desert, California. I'm so grateful that you've joined us, and I trust that these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. My mom grew up on a farm in Buck Creek, Iowa, where her family also attended a St. John's Lutheran church. And she once shared with me that this parable of the sower brings back memories for her of when she would go out sowing oats with her father. She would drive the tractor, and he would be in the trailer that the tractor was hauling, and he would pour seeds into the hopper that would spin around and scatter the seeds out onto the field. Back and forth and back and forth they would go. They would even sow seeds on the sandy patch of land in the back 40, which produced fewer and smaller crops. But you never knew. A good rainy season helped. So you planted the seeds, trusting God for the growth. As Jesus shares in our gospel reading from Matthew 13, he does this in a parable. Parables are stories that point beyond themselves. They convey meaning through comparison, setting one thing, something that is perhaps more common or familiar, alongside another, something that is perhaps less familiar, more complex. The word parable is from the Greek, the root para, which means alongside, like parallel, and bale, which means to throw. Parables throw things together to teach us something. In his parables, Jesus uses examples from everyday life. He uses the ordinary to express the extraordinary. Many of his parables begin, the kingdom of God is like, and then he continues, weeds and wheat, a fishing net cast into the sea, a prodigal son who returns home to his father, a woman searching for a lost coin who rejoices when she finds it, a mustard seed. Jesus uses seeds a lot in his parables, appropriate for the agricultural society, the first listeners who heard these stories, and also for us. Seeds produce life. Seeds change and grow and become more than they were before, and seeds are all around us all the time, whether or not we realize it. When we brew coffee in the morning, made from the seeds, the beans of coffee plants, or when we have our breakfast cereal made from ground-up seeds, or when we eat a peach or an apple or a honeydew melon, or when we see an acorn faller, basically just when we go outside. Seeds are a reminder of the ever-present life-giving goodness of God. And so Jesus begins this parable, a sower went out to sow seeds. And as we might expect, the sower sows seeds in the good soil where the seeds can be expected to take root and grow and produce a crop. But the sower also sows seeds on the path made hard by foot traffic. Picture a concrete sidewalk today. And the sower also sowed seeds among the rocky ground where the soil is shallow. Picture a rocky desert patch. And also sows seeds where the thorns grow up. Picture a vacant lot full of crabgrass. In other words, the sower sows seeds also where they are not likely to take root and grow and produce 
a harvest. And indeed, as Jesus shares in the parable, those seeds that land on the hard ground, the birds come and eat them up. And the seeds that land in the rocky, shallow soil, they spring up quickly, but the heat of the sun withers them away. And those seeds that land among the thorns are overtaken by the weeds. Why, we might wonder, is the sower so reckless with all those seeds? Well, the sower is the central and active figure in this parable. And as Jesus later explains to his disciples, the sower represents the Lord God. God who, as King David writes in Psalm 65, made us and the whole creation in goodness and order and beauty, who is deeply invested in all God has made, who provides for us our daily bread, our VBS theme, and every good gift. Who cares for the mountains and the meadows and the rivers and you and me and everyone else? Who made us and loves us all, now and forever? Who as King David writes, visits the earth with water and brings growth in the valleys and covers the wilderness with pastures. And so in this parable, the, sower, the sower's behavior says something about God, about who God is, about how God relates to us. And so perhaps the sower recklessly scattering seeds all over the place expresses a God who recklessly showers his goodness and grace and love on everyone, everywhere, all the time, even in the most unexpected places. God does not hold back. God throws his love out indiscriminately, not based on the worthiness of those who receive it, but on the generosity of the one who gives it. There are plenty of seeds an unending supply of goodness, abundant grace, unconditional love. And that is expressed in the harvest that is produced from the good soil. A farmer in that time and place would have expected maybe a five to ten time return on the seeds that were planted. This harvest is 30, 60, 100 times. That would have been more than any farmer would have expected or imagined. And so, Jesus shares in this parable, God is a God of abundance. As Jesus also demonstrated throughout his public ministry, 12 basketfuls of food left over after Jesus feeds thousands on a hillside with five loaves of bread and two fish, gallons of wine provided at a wedding in Cana, a harvest that produces 10 times the expected amount. And as Jesus explains to his disciples, those seeds that the sower sows so recklessly represent the word of the kingdom of God. The message of God's redemptive reign. The good news of God's presence with us in our lives and in this world. The kingdom of God made known to us in Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the sower and the seed, the messenger and the message. This parable of Jesus and all of his teachings are the words of God spoken by the word of God, the word made flesh. God who loves us so much that he joined with us in our humanity so that we may join with God in God's glory. 
Jesus is the embodiment of God's goodwill, the sowing of God's grace among us, the life of God given to us. And so we, when we want to know who God is and how God feels about us and how we are to live in right relationship with God and each other, we look to Jesus Christ. And throughout his public ministry, Jesus fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He welcomed children and affirmed women and ate with outcasts. He forgave sinners. He gathered a community to speak his good news and do his good work together. And he taught that the greatest commandment, the highest law, the most important thing is love God with your whole being and love your neighbor as yourself. And he demonstrated the depth of God's love for us. He suffered along with us so that we know we never suffer alone in this world broken by human sin. He died on the cross, taking our death as his own and freeing us from it forever. He rose again to life, bringing us with him into life eternal and abundant, life now and forever, life that does not end. Christ arose and so will we. Christ lives and so do we. Nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the good news expressed by the Apostle Paul in Romans 8. Paul begins Romans 8 with these words, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't know how many times I read that verse before some years ago. I was reading a commentary on it by a biblical scholar, I don't remember the scholar's name, who focused on how definitive and comprehensive Paul's statement is, hear these words again. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, none. Christ has forgiven all our sin. Christ has released us from all our guilt. Christ has set us free and we are free indeed. We are, as Paul writes throughout his letters, Saved by grace through faith in Christ, not our works. Salvation is the free gift of God, not dependent on our efforts. Salvation is not what we do or say or think. Salvation is what God in Christ has done for us. We don't earn God's grace. We don't have to. We already have, we always have God's grace. In the words of Rabbi Abraham Heschel, just to be is a blessing. Just to live is holy. And so Paul continues. We no longer live captive to the flesh. We have life in the Holy Spirit. Now, by flesh, Paul does not mean our physical bodies. Our whole being, including our bodies, is made and loved by God. As C.S. Lewis once put it, God likes material. He made it. By flesh, Paul means our sinful nature, our misaligned moral agency, all those ways in which we fail to keep the greatest commandment to love, the ways in which we oppose God's goodness and grace, the things that we do and say that hurt ourselves and others. And so, Paul says, Christ has set us free from sin and intends for us to stop sinning right now. 
to stop doing and saying hurtful things, to love as God loves us. In the words of Martin Luther, the namesake of our Lutheran denomination, good works do not make a person good, but a good person will do good works. We'll live out every day the life we have in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit who is with us right here and now and always and forever, the Spirit who guides us in the truth and comforts us in our sorrows, reminds us that we are all beloved children of God, fills us with hope, plants the seeds of God's good news in our hearts and produces in us the good fruit of the Holy Spirit, fruit recounted by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, generosity, self-control. The Holy Spirit helps us hear and understand and follow the teaching and example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Early church father John Chrysostom puts it this way. How can it be reasonable, one asks, to sow among the thorns or on the rock or along the road? Maybe it is not reasonable insofar as it pertains only to seeds and earth. For the bare rock is not likely to turn into tillable soil, and the roadside will remain roadside, and the thorns, thorns. But in the case of free wills and their reasonable instruction, this kind of sowing is praiseworthy. For the rocky soil can in time turn into rich soil. Among souls, the wayward may come no longer to be trampled by all that pass and may become a fertile field. The thorns may be destroyed, and the seed enjoy full growth. In other words, God knows the soil better than we do. We may look at someone and think they're too hard or thorny or shallow to ever change. But God sees possibilities in them that we might not. God sees us as we are and as we could be. And God scatters his unending goodness and abundant grace and unconditional love on everyone. And God calls us to scatter the seeds of his generosity far and wide, to tell people about Jesus Christ in the faith that every human heart, including our own, can be good soil to plant the seed, trusting God for the growth. And so I invite you to consider, how is the terrain of your heart today? Are you listening to the word of God, praying every day and spending time in scripture and gathering in worship and going to Bible studies and seeking to understand? Are you putting into practice what you hear? Are you open to the healing work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in the lives of others? Are you bearing good fruit? Are you, as Jesus encourages us to do, planting the seeds of faith and hope and love and trusting that God will bring the growth? Amen.
Thanks for listening. Each week's episode is edited by Nick Cox. Music performed by our St. John's Worship Band. Sermons by me, Pastor Jen Shaw. Make sure to subscribe to hear each week's message. If you'd like to know more about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, to share the life-giving word and do the life-giving work of Jesus, visit our website, stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.